Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Stay tuned with the two of two O's. See? How's that? Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Bye bye Saturday night. Welcome to another Area 51 recording of Sci-Fi Saturday Night, the first podcast to guarantee that if you listen, you can hear stuff. Tonight in episode 433, no, 34, is it? No, it's 430, it is 433. We look forward with great anticipation to listening to people talk, because that's what we do. On board for tonight's talkcast, sitting in at the Sci-Fi Saturday Night gaming console and help desk, our own button-pushing, keyboard-clacking, sonic screwdrivering, violent audio vixen, it's Kriana. <laughs> and turkey baster to the stars, the man who has voraciously read every unattributed Stephen King book, and a man who once met John Barrowman in an elevator and has refused to talk about it ever since, it's Captain Cam. That sounds perfect. So we'll just move on to the Stephen King. Yes, we're not going to talk about John Barrowman. Okay, fine. <laughs> and me, I'm just a freshwater fish in a saltwater tank. They call me the Dome. I'm going to take you back in the Wayback Machine today, kids. And uh, there was a time in America when Saturday mornings were a special time. When there were cartoons on virtually every network station, but there were only like three networks. So it worked out really well. And they were real cartoons and ran from like 6 a.m. to noon. And not this weird stuff that we have today, but actual hand-drawn cell animation. And it was a fun time for new fathers and young kids to sit around and, and watch with, you know, uh, their Bosco and, and dads with their coffee. And the cartoons themselves, almost to a fault, were merch machines, both for companies and networks alike. Beanie and Cecil, and I'm way too old to actually have remembered that, was sponsored by a toy company, which was prominently placed throughout the half hour. The Flintstones were not even, not even actually a children's show at their inception and was sponsored by a tobacco company. And a cursory YouTube search can, and you can find the boys ducking out back for a Winston break. It was a much more innocent time with a lot of deviant undertones. But in the current time, we've taken a few steps further. Like in this case, when a 3D printing accident brings eight advertisements alive to band together as the mighty mascots, a concept that a very old friend of the show, Keith Gleason, came up with in Altera Comics, has published a three-issue run of it, Let's talk to Keith Gleason about his limited run series, Mighty Mascots, and his plans for a new series. Keith, welcome back, my friend. 
Hey, that was quite the intro, Dumb. Thanks for having me. <laughs> great. You know, it's funny because I was I was like, you know, reading the comics over again tonight. Yeah. Right before the show. And and then then I like pink him and I went, You don't remember Beanie and Cecil, do you? And he went, No, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> and I realized that this goes back in my head like three generations when I was a kid. And I would get up at like six in the morning, sneak down the stairs, flip on the TV and steal a bottle of Coke and just watch cartoons until my parents got up at like eight or nine o'clock. Yeah. And then, you know, when I had kids, we did the same thing and we would like be just cartoon and nothing like that exists anymore. No, it's a unique experience like uh, that nothing. Yeah, there's nothing like it now because it's like everything's a binge watch now or you know uh or that goddamn educational programming that's yeah, not right. really <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah i'm gonna stand knee deep in water and let a stingray swim between my legs wasn't that fun kids we'll be back after nine more commercials yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i miss those days i mean i i, I don't know as that time of childhood you know like it just yeah, I don't know. What was Bunny Show? Some of the yeah. best animation around then. Uh, yeah, I agree. And then there was the, the cheesy stuff, too, which I, I bet nobody remembers but me anymore. Stuff like Diver Dan, and it's this guy in a diver suit with marionette fish, and the uh -huh. only animation was his mouth, because that's all you could see through the diver suit face. It's the weirdest thing in the world. Yeah, i never seen that one. <laughs> I do remember some wacky concepts in the 80s, like just, you know, very out there. Like, uh, I don't I'm trying to think, like, uh, like shirt tails and like. Uh, the Animal Olympics, you remember? Yeah, those? yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah. And, and I mean, the, you know, that that was like the, the Shaggy and Scooby-Doo era, which was at its beginning was really cool and really fun. And then just got to be recycled and recycled and recycled and recycled. Yep. And then also like the, a lot of superhero stuff too, back then too, which is great. Yeah. Oh God. The original fantastic four cartoons. Yep. Oh my God. Yeah. Those are great. Those were, they were just adaptions of the comics too. Right. And they're still really good. Yeah, they are. <laughs> or Star Trek, the animated series. Oh, yeah, the Filmation one. That one's great. That yeah. was not bad at all. Yeah, Filmation was good for some of those those superhero shows. They they had a ton of them. They really oh, they did, yeah. They really did. Like, E-Man. There's stuff yep. always... Whenever you saw the... Um, when they showed the... The production thing and it's the, the the guy's name going in a circle you're like oh, all right that already that already automatically means quality yeah. <laughs> you know what i'm talking about the yeah i do i know exactly what you're talking about absolutely <laughs> but uh remember the tarzan one that they made i love the animation in that yeah which one total like Tarz what's oh, that god yes tarzan yeah, yeah. i remember tarzan yeah, um, they. I think they have some episodes on YouTube. If you watch them, that like just even the intro was always like, "Wow, this is great." Or, or Tennessee Tuxedo. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. Come on, <laughs> great stuff there. And yeah. I mean, we we could do this all 
freaking night if we wanted to. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but but this this whole concept is the basis behind Mighty Mascots. Yeah, definitely trying to tap into that um, kind of feeling, like or that kind of nostalgia where you you read the books, you read the book, and you kind of get the feeling that like. Man, I I could see this as a cartoon, you know, back in the '80s. You know, that was totally what I was going for. But I also like threw in like, you know, a little bit of modern style storytelling with like superhero books, so it doesn't feel too, I don't know, too kiddish. I guess I don't know. I was I, yeah. I was going for an all ages kind of vibe with you're, it. You're you know? walking a fine line because. I am. Yeah. You're walking the nostalgia. You're walking kids who, who are reading the new stuff. You're, you're walking uh, uh, the, the whole uh, product placement that occurred virtually everywhere in all of these cartoons. Yep. I mean, you know, the friggin' Pink Panther cartoons had their own cereal. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you're right. It's, 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 it's part of it. It's like, you know, I want people to read it and get all those like nostalgia hits, you know, but also at the same time, I want them to realize there's like real stakes and danger in the issue. And, you know, you kind of care for the characters, you know, so I'm kind of infusing all that kind of storytelling techniques into it, you know, when, how long ago did you come up with the idea for this? And where did it act? Because I, I can remember maybe four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. Was it that long ago we were talking about this? Yeah, that, it's been a I while. Got this idea. Yeah, it's been about four or five years at this point. Um, uh, I, the inspiration, well, I mean, I've always been into cartoons and all that kind of stuff, you know, always had that nostalgia. Um, but the idea kind of initially came from a t shirt. Um, my wife bought me that had um, it had all the cereal mascots on it, like um, Tony the Tiger and um, Sh- uh, Sugar Smacks. Uh, the, Snap, the, Crackle, uh, and Pop, the frog. Yeah, Snap, Crackle, and Pop. And, and the, the Sun from uh, um, the Raisin Bran on it. And um, they're all just hanging out on the shirt, and it said Breakfast Club. yeah it was just a great shirt and um uh at the time i was like looking at it i was like god that there's something to that picture like i know it's like a joke but i think that could be like a fun funny um you know like a react at first i thought it would be more of a comedy of them just hanging out and like maybe like a reality show kind of thing Mm -hmm. and setting but then like I don't know where this, I think I infused the superhero angle because I, you know, I'm so into superheroes and comics, um, you know, especially the old ones from like the eighties and seventies and stuff. So I'm like, geez, what if I, you know, if you took Captain Crunch and made him a little more like Batman, he could be like this awesome, you know, character, you know? So that's sort of what you think is freaking weird until you actually see it. The transformation you go, Okay, I'm buying it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, um, you know, all of them are sort of um, inspired by, like, cereals that I really loved or or the mascots that I really loved on the cereals, you know. Um, 
I knew I wanted to do something with snap, crackle, and pop, but I didn't definitely want to, didn't want to do like just three guys. So I kind of came up with the robots, right? Which I think works, and I like the whole Transformers Voltron angle of it too. You know? Oh yeah, I mean that. The minute you saw that, you went, "Yeah, I had to be there." Totally yep. had to be there. <laughs> And coming up with the names, like when the giant robots called like Mega Crunch and, you know, just stuff like that. <laughs> just just really fun trying to conceive all those characters, you know. And, uh, and of course, the Kool-Aid pitcher as well. Yeah, yeah, the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> you, know, you, knew, you, knew, you always have to have the annoying mascot, you know. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, then... Um, uh, when I first came up with it, I, I was doing it on my own, but then I ended up pitching it to Alterna, and um, they really liked it. Uh, I had to do a lot of tweaking of the first issue, so the one that I pitched to them is drastically different than what the one is that came out. Um, well, you had kind of put together a first issue already yes, at that's that point, the, yep, and it's, it's significantly the, different than the first issue that I'll... Altera uh, came out with. Yep, that's that's exactly right. I was doing more of like um, doing more of an origin story, and Alterna thought it would be better if I came right out of the gates, guns blazing with like what it actually is. And I think they were right on that because when I look back at the first issue, it's just like all action and like yep. you know, like zero to sixty and like. 25 pages or whatever you know and it doesn't stop the whole moment the whole first three issues are just basically trial by fire you know these mascots show up and they're you know they're in a, a situation where they're over their heads you know or you know and um they have to figure it out as the story progresses you know so i, I kind of like that aspect of it of aside the, from the uh the the uh <clears throat> the storyline what made you decide to go just three issues with this um you know i would love to gone um monthly but like um alternas they don't they barely do any monthly comics um they they like to do mini series so i when when i found that out i started thinking about uh just in storylines versus you know versus as like a monthly so three issues seems to be a sweet spot for me, but I guess I could do more if I if the story warranted it. I guess. Well, I looked at the end of it and went, "You've gone three issues. You've told one story. Yep. <laughs> throughout that three issues. Yep. And and you've done a great job of telling that one story. But my guess is, and it's just me being, you know." playing fanboy, which at my age is kind of embarrassing. But <laughs> <laughs> what's next for the characters? Are you planning on a, a second run of something for them? I am, yeah. Actually, funny you should ask. I, um, I'm putting together uh, like an Indiegogo. Um, I was hoping to have it up, you know, now before <laughs> this, before March started, but... Um, I'm still waiting on a bunch of elements, so it's going to look like probably April to, to, that I launch it. But um, I'm going to be funding the next uh, miniseries. Um, Alterna wants to start putting it out by the end of the year. Um, 
And the only way I can do that is if I fund it through a crowd for crowdsource so so that I can pay the artists and uh, on a timely fashion, you know. <laughs> oh, I'm well aware of the importance of uh, making sure that that artists and all people involved get what's okay. due in a timely manner. Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> and um, so I have all three scripts ready to go. Um, I'm just doing some tweaking on like uh, dialogue and things like that, but I'm ready to, to get it launched and, uh, you know, start sending them off to the artists to start on, you know. Now uh, you do, you do, you do all the writing and the uh, inking, correct? I do the writing and the lettering uh, primarily. Um, and I guess you could say I'm the editor on the book too. <laughs> um but I have two guys that do um, the, the there's one guy that does the pencils and inks. Yeah. And his friend does the coloring over it. So they're, 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 they're two guys that work well together. And, and hopefully they work well with you. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I've never talked to them on the phone or anything, but they're two guys from Indonesia. Oddly enough, <laughs> I found them on Facebook and, uh, they just, I like the style a lot, and I thought that's what what, what would fit the book. Because um, I wanted, like, um, you know, I didn't want it too cartoony, and I didn't want it too serious. And I think they, 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 they nail that tone, you know, with the look, which is what, and it looks like a cartoon, you know, which I think is great. Especially, like, one of the superhero ones, you know? Oh, it absolutely does. So... I've never quite understood how it works okay. to, <laughs> to have <clears throat> the artist that far away. I mean, whenever I've partnered with somebody, it's kind of been, you're sitting at the next desk, and we meet every day, and we talk through everything. Yeah. <laughs> and with, these, with uh, Ian and Anton in uh, Indonesia – it makes a huge difference. Well, or I'm guessing it does anyway. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think you, things work better when you're in the same room with someone, especially when the writing side of stuff, because that's what we used to do with the hero and me things. Like when we used to write the scripts for that, we'd sit in a room and throw, throw ideas back and forth. And I think that always worked out for the best with this though, since I'm the, pr I'm pretty much the only writer on it these guys more they 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 kind of just you know it's more like um they bang out art so like i even asked ian i sit over email i said do you want do you want to break down the pages like from the script if i and he's like no i want you to just give me thumbnails of what you're looking for each page so i think he just wants to take it draw it and go on to the next thing you know He's one of those working artists where it's like he's always looking for his next project. So it's more like um, I send him a bunch of thumbnails and I send him the script and then he kind of interprets things. And he's usually, usually really good at it. Like I haven't had any, any problems where I needed him to change something major, or, you know. Um, so it seems to be working out well. He even comes up with some cool things too that that you know like I don't know if you, on the first issue 
you might do you remember at the very beginning when there's those two um two henchmen in the supermarket release oh, walking through the supermarket yeah 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 <laughs> His, it was his idea to make those guys look like um, the wet bandits from Home Alone. <laughs> oh, so if you go yes. back, look, it's it's definitely Daniel Stern and uh, and uh, Joe Pesci. Yeah, and, it totally uh, is. Yeah. Yeah, he said that to me. He's like, "Do you think it'd be great? It'd be okay if I turned these guys into the wet bandits?" I said, "That's perfect." So it's that's, that's sort of his contribution, I guess. You know, to so. <laughs> Essentially, there is collaboration. Yeah, yeah, I'd say a little bit. You know, like I, I, I would, I would love it if he, he, if he was here, and we could talk face to face and stuff. But and, you know, unless he's planning on moving there or me moving there, it's probably never going to happen. You know. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, fun in the Philippines for you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but um, yeah, I. I uh, I think the second miniseries is going to be really cool too, from what I've um, put together. I can't wait to see what he, how he does it, you know, like what he draws for these new characters and everything. Um, the second miniseries is going to be more. Um, so you, so you, you've read the end where you see like the supermarket and you know what happened there. I don't want to give it away for. Yeah, I absolutely have. So instead of like, so instead of defying or doing what people expected where there's going to be just chaos and everything. It, it actually becomes really quiet after the supermarket thing. So the, basically the mascots are very bored. They're, they've been sitting around for months and nothing's happened. And um, we do, we get into a little more with um, Dr. Baneful, the, the evil scientist from issue two. And uh, uh-huh. we start to find out more about, um, what's going on with her and her husband and because she's sort of like the overarching villain of the whole series and um, we start to get to know a little more about the the corporation that she runs and um, there's a new villain that that comes from the, the the corporation called Jordan Tecmo and he's sort of like this um, extreme R&D guy who um, he becomes like um, he 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 uses the formula to create like evil video game mascots that uh, <laughs> that'll be the nemesis of the the second miniseries, and then also um, Honey Flakes is going through a crisis, <laughs> and like <laughs> he has some PTSD from an old commercial that he remembered. Oh no! Yeah, so. <laughs> So there's all this stuff going to be happening in the second miniseries. I really like how it's coming together. So I'm hoping um, I can't wait to see it finally, you know, be put to paper. I think okay, help help me out with one character. Yeah, yeah. First of all, do we get to see Kimmy again? No, I'm saving her. I'm gonna. I want to bring her back again at some point, but uh, I figured it would be too much to bring her into this one. Maybe the third one. We might see her in the third miniseries. So you're really planning out that far ahead? Yeah, yeah. I got at least the first four in mind on like what I want to do, but I think it's such a a rich uh, world. I think you could go. I could just keep coming up with stuff, you know. I I, I tend to not disagree with that because you know, as as I'm reading it, I'm going, 
well, you could do this and you could do that. And <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, so, I mean, there's so many mascots you can play with and like, uh, you could make, you know, reoccurring villains, you know, there's so much you can do. And part of the, the, the charm of the first mini series is me setting up all the rules and everything, you know, like the mascot secret prison that they have and you know, all, that, all that fun stuff, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, it was kind of like the Phantom Zone kind of deal. Though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, pulling up from all uh, great comic book sources, I guess, you know. But so, um, Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, yeah, it was just exciting. I think the second miniseries is going to, you know, take a step back and we'll get to, like, have a little more downtime with the characters, get to know them a little more, have them not be like in the first mini series where there's like, they're being hit from all directions at a, almost the entire time. This will be a little more like chill and like, you know, get to know them a little better, you know? Um, this is a weird little world that you've gone out of your way to create. Here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just happy that, uh, it's resonated on some level with people, you know, like I think. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the people that get it really get it. And, um, the, you know, other people are just like, this is kind of fun, you know, or they, you know, <laughs> or they, they think it's hilarious, you know, or it's gotten a ton of different reactions, which I think is great, you know. And it's like, you, you, okay, I don't know about anybody else, but I sat there with issue one and I looked at the mascot bull call and I went, I get him. I get him. What the hell is this? Who the hell is this? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! It's the Fruit Loops. Okay, got yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a couple people that nailed all of them, uh, but a lot of people get most of them, or or you know some of them, or. But I had a few people that have done the videos nail each one and the archetype it's based off of, you know. I've got all of them except for Mundo Martian. I think I know who Mundo Martian is, but I'm not entirely sure. What's uh, what's your guess? Well, there was a uh, there was a serial back in the day called Quit. Yep, that's it, Quisp. And, Quisp. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, the mascot for Quisp was like an alien dude who had Correct. like a weird beanie, like yep. a little. And I love that cereal. You can't you can't get it anymore. Well, you can you can order it online. Like, but the boxes cost like ten bucks. And it's really <laughs> scary how long it may have been sitting in that warehouse. Yeah, but that's true too. I think they still make it, but it's just very. Uh, it's rare because I I bought it last rare. year. Yeah, I bought a box last year, and I actually ended up buying two boxes because I'm going. Yeah, it was to expensive, right? Because I bought one like a year ago too. It was like ten bucks. No, it wasn't. That, it was about as expensive as any other box of cereal sitting on the shelf. This was in a supermarket. I went in the supermarket and they. Oh, really? It was. It was sitting there. It was it was just a display piece, and they were going. And here's Quisp. You know, we brought Quisp back, and it was one of these nostalgia cereals that they put out every so often. Sort of like when they do on Halloween, they do yeah, uh, the, Count Chocula. Berry and Count Chocula. Yeah. 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 So yeah. And Quisp, but because it's a great cereal, it tastes so good. Oh, yeah. It was very good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good awesome. Lord. We, we, we could do this, like, for days. 
Oh, yeah. I yeah. really think at some point the audience might get bored with it. So I want to switch gears real quick. And uh, for those of you who may have forgotten or don't know or just are are not knowledgeable about it, uh, Keith is also the guy who runs Plastic City Comic Con, uh, who which is which is one of our sponsors, and we thank them for being one of our sponsors. But uh, we've we've got some announcements to make about Plastic City for this year. Yeah, we got a... First of all, Plastic City this year is August 1st, again at the Wallace Civic Center in Fitchburg, Mass., 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., and uh, $5 entrance fee. Yep. And what that means for you guys who want to come and see that show is... You're not paying for parking. It's a very inexpensive entrance fee, which means you can come in and see all kinds of cool stuff and be able to afford it because you didn't have to pay $50 to get in, like other conventions, whom shall remain nameless. (laughs) 100% true. And that was always our goal with this show and always will be our goal, you know. I can, if, if we ever reach the point where we're going over like say 10 bucks to get into the door which i you know i want to keep it at five for as long for as, long as, as you can absolutely possible yeah definitely but once we reach that point that's when i'll probably stop because like the whole point of our show is to to be cheap and reasonable for people but also to bring some of the top talent to the show you know um, well, one of the things that you've been able to do with plastic city that larger conventions can't do is bring new emerging artists, new emerging artisans uh, and and people who are independent artists and independent uh, comic producers who basically can't afford those big shows. Yeah. Yeah. We get a lot of, we get a lot of the people that I'd say it's like all different areas of, um, of skill you know we get a lot of people that are just starting out and want to try a show and i always tell them you know this is the perfect one to try because you know we're pretty in a we're pretty inexpensive you know the only reason i mark up the prices for the tables and the chair like because i don't know if people know this but we have two prices for vendors um basically it's 65 dollars for the day and and you can bring your own table and chair but if you need a table and chair and need to rent it from us, it ends up going up to about 125, and that's because it's just a pain to get tables and chairs in that place. So. Oh sure, well it's an ice hockey arena for crazy. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's just a nightmare. I mean, we always have to get about 50 tables, you know. But like, um, uh, you know, that's why I, I charge so much for that because I, you know, I'd rather people just bring their own stuff so it makes it easier. But um. What was I going to say? Um, oh, I lost my train of thought. But oh, what I'm saying is it was um, it makes it easy for an artist to try the show and they know they'll have a decent audience to vend in front of, you know? Yeah. Because yeah, we one of, get a, one of the, a good, simple crowd. One of the things that always bothered me about the larger uh, three-day events, uh, and I'm talking... The large ones, yeah, uh, is is that 
with their prices so high and being in the middle of a major city, uh, in order to get there for an artist is an expensive proposition. Oh, yeah. But, but also in order to get there as an attendee is an expensive proposition. I think I worked out one time that if you're a family of four and you were going to the old Boston Comic-Con yeah. and you wanted to stay at a hotel, you were coming in from out of town, between the hotel and the parking and the food and the tickets for four for three days, you've dropped about a grand before you walk in the door. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, there goes your vacation fund if you have one, you know. <laughs> but and but also, you know, God forbid you want to get that picture with a celebrity for another hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. What money do you have to walk down Artist Alley and go, damn, that's a cool print for ten bucks. I'd like to buy it. You've already dropped like twelve hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, it's nuts. Like. Uh... <laughs> <clears throat> to get back to your point about like the same thing with artists, it's like um, that's why I started this show because as an artist and a vendor, I was sick of those kind of shows like just coming in and you know it's like you're gonna call yourself a comic con and be everything but a comic con. It just you know that, you know that that stuff drove me nuts. So like that's why I started the show because I was feeling like the comics were lost, you know, at these big gigantic shows, the comics, the artists, everything, the, yeah. the artisans who were making this beautiful handcrafted stuff. And, and, you know, where else besides like a comic con, do you get the exposure you need to, to let people see it? Right. Yeah. That's the other thing, like a new artist, they they set up at Boston or you know or Fan Expo now, they're not going to even like make you know they're not going to even make an impact there because like they're just going to be lost with behind everything else. Whereas our show, you know, there is no you know like razzle dazzle basically with celebrities or anything like that. It's just straight up old comment. You just walk up and down the aisles looking for stuff, you know, and that's what. That's the the charm of our show, I think, you know. It's just which, like Which brings me to the lie you just said because for years you haven't brought in uh the these uh uh big names, these big talents. And this year you have an announcement to make oh, yeah. in the middle <laughs> of all this stuff going on. Who's going to be there this year? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I should say this. I mean, we've experimented with celebrities and stuff the last, you know, over the past five years. The show, like we've had wrestlers and we've had, yes, you, you know, have. <laughs> we've had like Corin Nemec <laughs> from a Stargate and stuff like that. It just, it just the celebrities. It because of the way we've set up the show, the celebrities just aren't making. You know, I, I've seen how much they've made and it hasn't been a lot. So it's just like just made no sense to have them anymore. So I've cut out that end of things on my on our show. So I decided to make focus that we get at least one or two really good comic guests now, and that's what we've done this year. We've had we have a record though for like best comic guests that we have coming to the show. So our big guest, our guest of honor this year, is none other than Roy Thomas. 
who uh, probably needs no introduction, but... <laughs> but you're going to do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, I, you know, I know his agent really well. I'm sure you do, too. <laughs> Mr. Yeah, John. I've known John for a long time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're also doing an event um, during the day this year. There's going to be like a two-hour like lunch with Roy which is going to be at a restaurant close to the convention for like nice. two weeks. Yeah. To help pay for it. So like, so if fans want to do like that VIP experience where they pay 125, they can come sit, have a good meal and then uh, talk to Roy and get a few things signed, get a picture, you know, get a free print, you know, that kind of stuff um, just to help like us pay for it. And the only reason I did that is so I can keep, I want to make sure the admission stays at $5. So that was the, the only way I could do it and make sense of the whole situation, you know. But, um, <clears throat> I mean, those who don't know Roy, Roy's, uh, Roy Thomas is the, 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 the guy that he's Stan Lee's protege. He took over for as editor-in-chief after Stan Lee, created a ton of characters for Marvel in the 70s. And um, a lot of his movies are hitting this year with uh, his characters. Like he created, um, he created Red Guardian, which is the character that's going to be in the Black Widow movie, the one that David Harbor from Stranger Things is playing. Um, he created that character. He also created Morbius, which uh, that movie actually looks good. <laughs> I was expecting that to look like trash. I was concerned. Yeah, well, good. yeah. It looks like he's going to be decent. And um, he also created Carol Danvers, the new Captain Marvel. He created Luke Cage and Iron Fist. Uh, he created Wolverine. He's also the guy that brought Star Wars and Conan to Marvel Comics. And I mean, the guy's done tons of stuff. Created What If. You know, so it's like, it's just like, a, it's probably the next best thing to getting Stan Lee, you know. Um <clears throat> The other thing I was going to say is um, Andy's only going to be in New England at our show this year. He's not doing any other New England appearances. So it's so all of that kind of made it worthwhile for me to get him. Um, a now, couple, one, go ahead. One of the things I wanted to talk about that Roy is doing mm -hmm. is that if you have <clears throat> one of his comics or magazines or books or paperbacks, da 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 da, da and you want uh, him to sign it. All it's going to take is a donation to the Hero Initiative charity. Yes. Now, talk a little bit about that, if you would. Yeah, I. Um, so Roy's big on that, so that's why he does like the Hero Initiative thing. He's always been big on that, and um, yeah, so that's that's what's good good about it. It's like. If you want a signature, I mean, he's got a couple different prices. Um, I can't remember everything. Like John sent me the price list is on the on our website. It's on the website, and we'll have a link to that. Okay. But the, yeah, cool, the cool thing is, if you want, if you've got one of his old books, and you want him to sign it, drop a donation in the Hero Initiative box, and it's yours. Yep. Yep. There's a maximum of 10 and they'd like a donation for each one that you do. But 
they're not saying what the donation has to be. <clears throat> yeah, so and that's reasonable, it, I think. It's a, good, it's a good way to do it and a really nice thing to do. I think so. And in, in you're you're not so much giving it to to Roy for his, you know, to go into his pocket. It's more to help, like, all artists and writers, you know. The other and thing... Is that, go ahead. The, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Where are no, you gonna... no, I'm with you. You were going to go someplace else. Oh, <laughs> no, I was just going to say a few of the other guests we have coming, but what were you going to say? Actually, I was going there as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I just right found ahead. out um, Jerry Ordway's coming back, who was our second year guest of honor. And uh, Jerry Ordway and Roy worked on a ton of stuff, especially, uh, I think, uh, All-Star Squadron for DC Comics. And and I think Infinity Inc. They worked together. So that's really cool that he's coming back. Um, and we, uh, I just heard that Paul Pelletier is coming this year, who has done a lot of stuff. Um, Exiles from Marvel. Uh, used to work at CrossGen. He's working on, um, he's doing the, one of the Superman stories in the Walmart uh, 100 Page Giants coming out right now. Uh, he's a really good artist. Um, he reminds, reminds me a lot of like Gary Frank. Um, he's coming. And then we got like our, our usual staple of like Joe St. Pierre and Joe Carmagna and uh, Sean Wang and uh, Scott Amberson. Yeah. Yeah. That whole bunch. Um, uh, we got Joe Schmalky coming this year for oh no not joe again no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i love joe i just i just met joe for the first time in october and uh we've oh, become... there, there's an insane personality for you right there uh but we became such fast friends like every show i see him at now it's like yo man what's going on you know and, and you of know, course jay moores is going to be there yep yep jay's going to be there yeah oh, you know it's funny because i look at this and i go Oh, this is great, man. This is like half the people who've been on the show. I love yeah, this. Exactly. <laughs> and we're going to be I love well. about our show. It's like everybody knows everybody, you know, I think for the most part. We have a lot of new vendors that I don't know that are coming to the show this year, which is good. You know, it kind of diversifies things a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then the other huge thing I think we touched upon briefly was the us rebranding the whole upstairs area into like a kids kids vendors and like kids workshops which i think is going to be really fun i haven't gotten i haven't gotten um one of my volunteers adam does like jedi training he might do something with that at the show but we think if that happens it'll probably be in the hallways at, up up on the top but I haven't confirmed any of that yet with him, so I don't know if that'll be there or not. But so that's a possibility, just for the kids and stuff, you know. Um, but yeah, I think I think this year is gonna be uh, a record breaker for us in attendance and like you know, just fun. <laughs> well, I gotta tell you, uh, Plastic City. Uh, I missed the first year. Uh, but I haven't missed a single one since. Yeah. And uh, it's always been kind of my style of what a an old-fashioned convention 
should be. Yeah. And it, it's a it's a fun place where you get to do stuff and you're in sure it's a crowd. You're you're in a freaking hockey rink, but there's a lot of stuff going on. Everybody's relaxed. Uh there's a myriad of things for you to do and see and just enjoy yourself. It's great for the family. It's definitely a family show. Yeah. And uh I got to tell you, it's more fun than a barrel of elephant. And Keith, you have done it again. <laughs> I, I'm seriously so looking forward to this show. Oh, this, the other and, thing uh, to say, too, is um, uh, we'll, we'll have even more vendors this year than we've ever had because I, uh, I took another look at the, the, the map of the just the hockey rink and we tightened up the aisles and like some of the things so i think we're going to fit a whole other row in there as well so there'll be just another whole row of vendors added so we're up to about 170 tables now wow yeah it's nuts wow (laughs) that's wonderful man yeah it's crazy man it's like you know it's it's i think this but this i think is we've made our max you know this is where we you know i don't think we can I guess we could grow bigger, but I, I kind of just want to stay right where we are now, you know, like I, it's, you know, I don't want to go into the super convention and I don't want to lose sight of why we started the show, you know, it, that's the whole trick here is walking another one of those fine lines to make sure you don't lose what it is that brought you to the party. Exactly. Cause a lot of shows do that. Like they start, Look at Boston. Boston grew into this juggernaut and then was sold the Fanboy Expo. Now you can't even go to the place. You know? <laughs> it's just like, you know, oh, God. But, um, yeah, no, that's sort of the game I'm playing. I just want to make sure we don't go overboard and then, you know, lose sight of the mission, you know. Well, oh. we, have, we have spent the evening talking with Keith Gleason comic creator, Comic-Con owner, lock, looking towards Mighty Mascots, Rev 2, and yep. even Rev 3, <laughs> <coughs> and Plastic City Comic-Con, happening Saturday, August 1st, 2020, at the Wallace Civic Center in Fitchburg, Mass. Be there. It's a fun time. Come see us there. If yeah. you come and say hi, We've got a free prize for you if you say you heard about it from us. So there. Awesome. (laughs) Thanks for joining us tonight, man. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me again. We'd like to take a moment to let our New England listeners know that Northeast Comic Con is March 13th through 15th at the Boxborough Regency Hotel and Conference Center in Boxborough, Massachusetts. Say hi to Gary and tell him you heard about it from Sci-Fi Saturday Night. See you there. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Granite Con, Plastic City Comic Con, and the Upper Valley Comic Expo. We are also sponsored by Dreamforge Magazine, a superb magazine of fantasy and science fiction, and by Comic Art House. Visit Comic Art House for some of the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. If you're looking for a really great gift book for the rapidly approaching value-added tax day celebration, 
consider a look at Sci-Fi Saturday Night's first anthology, My Peculiar Family, now on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. My Peculiar Family, the audiobook, is now available on Audible because I'm really not sure where else you could possibly find it. Our intro production was provided by Rob Watts. For more of his amazing stuff, just take a look at robwattsonline.com. And don't forget to try the Watts sauce. Our outro music is provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Check out more of their grooves on lawrencemademecry.com. And a whole lot of love to Jojo and Celine. Many thanks to the gang from the Air Burrito Mall Factory Center, the sweetheart is at Soundboard Kriana, and Woman of Words Zombrarian. Thank you so much, ladies. And from his booking books, thank you, Captain Cam. This is Dome saying, Terry and Jeannie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Better things are coming, Stacy. Stay strong, Liz. So unless it's daytime, good night, everybody. How you doing there, Dome? I am the terror that flaps in the night. I know.